Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99% where the real gains are made. I am here with Marilyn. Hey, guys. And we are going to talk to you today about athletic progression. We're going to talk about progressing an athlete in sport and maybe the importance of having a long-term vision, whether that's a five-year plan, a three-year plan, or just some sort of long-term goals that you have um, put in place. And then you can kind of think about how you're going to implement various tools and knowledge and goals. How are you going to alter their training? How are you going to stair-step them over some length of time in order to get to the goals and kind of have all these different pieces in place along the way? And I think the most important part of the conversation is not the pieces themselves, but giving the athlete, whether it's it's tools or training or know-how at the right time in their progression so that they can actually absorb any of these things appropriately for where they're at. Yeah, I, I was excited to talk about this topic because I wanted to use my own personal experience lately as a little bit of a case study. So even after doing this stuff, as long as I have, um, I like to take up new challenges and push the boundaries, learn new things and put myself in a position to be a beginner again. And this time it was going to be something that is a bit, bit of a strange position. It's actually on the bike. So people look at me and go, you've been riding bikes since 1999. You've ridden the track, you've ridden triathlon, you've bike raced, you've done all this stuff. So really what else is there that could put you in a position where you'd be an absolute beginner? Gravel is it the race, unicycle? Unicycle. Unicycle would definitely be it. But not it. All right. Yeah. It's mountain biking. So with mountain biking, I have ridden mountain bike a little bit in the past, but to be totally honest with you, I'm actually pretty scared of it. And I don't, the fear comes from not knowing what to do and not have ever been taught and progressed. This is where I thought this was conversation is really important. And, and I, I certainly apply this to athletes that I coach. And I'll use another example down the road in this conversation, but the importance of starting someone at the level that they're at, at that particular thing. So someone might look at me and say, well, she's got all this experience under her belt. Let's go ahead and start on this level of trails. And I don't even have the skills to do the very, very basics, like flat ground, flowing trails on the dirt, figuring out how to shift, move on a different bike, all of these things. Like I've only ever ridden a road bike style bike. So even just the shifting is different to me. So, you know, you take someone like me and you throw them on a difficult trail right away and you go with riders that are fairly experienced and they know you're fit. And the first thing they just say to you is follow me but I have no skills and follow me means absolutely nothing other than builds fear, right? And as soon as you build fear, you lose confidence. And so now you not only don't have the skills to complete what you're doing, but you're losing confidence and building fear. This sounds like a recipe for driving someone right out of the sport, right? Or making them pretty terrible at it. So I wanted to come at this from an angle from my side of the conversation about the importance of and I, I use this as one example, I'm going to go through other examples from coaching's perspectives is how to make sure that you're developing your athletes at an appropriate level to remove fear by giving them the skills at where they're at and build confidence 
and, and how important that process is into developing a really successful athlete. Yeah. I've had some pretty similar experiences on the mountain bike where guys are like, Oh, I like you can ride hard. So, you know, just, just do what we do. And I'm riding last wheel, like jamming on my brakes and just accelerating and working really hard to stay alive and try and stay in contact. And we get like 45 minutes in and I'm like exploded all over the trail. And they're like, what are you doing back there? And I'm like, I don't know. You never told me what to do. I'm, I'm trying to stay alive. Hope and pray. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I literally just stopped and unclipped and just stood there. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, and I literally don't know what to do. So I just like, it was like a horse stopping at a jump. I just <laughs> put on the brakes and just put both feet on the ground when I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think one of the biggest problems here for, for both of us in mountain biking is there's like an assumption of being fit and what your starting level is in mountain biking. And really, I think when both of us started, we were like at a zero or maybe a negative two. And people are like, oh, like you can ride bikes. We'll throw you in at like a 10. And, um, and yeah, that is not a recipe for success. And then you've got to do some serious backpedaling. Whereas if there, if, if there'd been like almost a little assessment of like, okay, like how good are you at riding a mountain bike? And I, I think it's probably much like your onboarding or my onboarding when you pick up a new athlete, right? You need to know like what they're like, how fast they are, how they move in different sports. So you can know how to start them. And if someone had done that for you on the mountain bike and been like, okay, well, let's do some figure eights in this parking lot and see if you can like ride in a nice tight figure eight or not. And been like, okay, well you're wobbling. So we probably need to take a step back from the figure eights. Um, right. And it is even, you know, like you think about it across the board as, as you look at, at athletes, it's the key part. I think what you're saying there, Jesse, is the assumption part, right? We, you never want to assume anything about someone you want to actually investigate and, and really, really take notice of where they're actually at. Like you can get a really great pool swimmer and they want to come and do triathlon and you just throw them into an open water swim that has, you know, 500 to 2000 people. And, and all of a sudden they don't have, they don't have the pack skills or the open water swim skills. And, and they're used to a really controlled environment. They've been swimming in their pool the whole life. And that can, that could really, I've seen a lot of pool swimmers have panic attacks the first time they get into a triathlon. So you need to develop those skills to take that great pool swimmer and develop them into a great open water swimmer, but you shouldn't just assume just because they're a great swimmer, they're going to be a great swimmer, open water. And so I think that that assumption piece of things, when you're looking at athletes or even looking at yourself saying, Hey, just because I have experience at this doesn't mean I, I can skip the steps of learning the basics on this new sport. And that's the way you need to look at it. It's an actual new sport, right? Like in recruitment for the college, uh, triathlon stuff, you might, you know, be recruiting good track and field runners, 800 meter runners, 1500 meter runners. Um, they've got a little bit of swim experience. Maybe they swam in high school, but they've never ridden a bike. Right. And so that development of not only teaching them how to ride a bike, but also do transitions, how to ride a bike in a pack, have those kind of skills, that's going to be such a hugely important piece versus just assuming, Hey, they swam in high school and they're a really fast runner. Let's just throw them into the race. You know, they're going to be limited on how far they can actually develop in triathlon versus, you know, if you, if you develop that the right way and the right steps, maybe they go on to world cups and then maybe they even go on to the Olympics. So it can be that really, really that crucial for, as far as looking at how you develop people. 
Totally. Yeah. And I think that situation is, is really common where you have someone from a single sport or maybe a dual sport background. And you kind of assume that since they have the fitness and the engine in these other sports, that it can be a direct carryover. And it's just not like in, in, in any sport, there's barriers of skill that like you have to learn before you can be good at those sports. So whether it's a swimmer trying to ride or, you know, a runner trying, trying to swim, you know, there's, um, you need to start them at their actual starting point in that sport and, and not just assume because they have a big engine. And I mean, I think there are a lot of cases here where you can get athletes injured. And I think, especially when you take a swimmer and you put them on land, right. Swimmers on land is always sketchy, but they have this giant engine and you're like, Oh, just go do this. And like, I mean, I, yeah, I see a lot of swimmers get running injuries, but I can't imagine if you just threw a swimmer on a bike and you were like, well, just go ride hard in this group. And they've never done it before. Like, it seems like they could definitely just take everyone out and not know what's going on. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, it's even more so now when you have new athletes and all the things that we can throw out there at them too quickly. Like, for example, if I get a new person who is a real beginner, it looks like they've got a bit of, you know, they've got a bit of talent or anything like that. It might be tempting to throw them on a bike with a power meter and an arrow position and, set them up in training peaks and put them on a really strict structured program and, and sort of bring their whole development piece into that real competitive level real quickly. Cause you look at them and you say, Hey, this person's got some talent for the sport. They really like it. I'm going to accelerate everything by giving them everything that they need to be fast and succeed right off the start. But actually what you're doing when you do that is you're, you're almost stunting how good they can get because you don't take those baby steps first. Like, Here's a piece of paper with three swim workouts on it. Do these three swim workouts for the next three weeks, log your times and let me know how they go. You know, here's a bike with flat pedals, no power meter, no heart rate monitor. Let's learn how to shift through the gears, ride outside, ride some different terrains. And you're just going to go out there and, and ride for an hour. And, and the only thing you're going to concentrate on is, is your bike. Are you learning how to shift the gears to keep your momentum going as you go on these different terrains? You know, when you go up this climb, are you comfortable with sitting, standing, sitting, standing, just figuring out how to move a bike around? No heart rate, no power meter, no nothing. Just like, can I ride a bike? And then the next thing might be, okay, we want to get a little more arrow. So let's put some clip-ons on, you know, or some, some clip pedals where now we're not on flat pedals anymore. And so now we're at a point where we've got clip-on pedals and we've got some arrow bars and, you know, we're learning how to ride more arrow and, and navigate with the balance with that and what that feels like. And, and, you know, now we've maybe got a whole week outlined as far as a training program on a piece of paper, go repeat this week for the next month. And if you can do that week for the next month and you feel pretty good about it, then, then we'll progress to the next step instead of throwing all of these metrics at people. I know that the list, the metrics can also help educate people but it's like a child, right? I mean, a child can absorb a lot, but if you throw more at them than what they're ready for, or their brain is developed for, it's probably not the right time, right? It's going to be too much for where they're at. You're not going to take a four-year-old and, you know, take them to a super, super adult, scary movie. It's going to be too much for them, right? Or you're, so it's, you want to make sure in that example that you're doing things, even though they might be able they might be able to handle it or it might appear that they could handle it, that they're actually in a place that it's the right thing for them, the right time. So it doesn't, doesn't either stunt their growth or, 
or really actually kind of hurt them, you know? Yeah. I mean, on that note, my three-year-old just got scared of the frozen ride in Disney world. So you definitely need to like do that progression appropriately, right? Like <laughs> you might think it's fine, but it can be too much, even if, you know, you, you think you're, you're doing things right. But yeah, I mean, I have an athlete where I was just like, Hey, maybe you should try riding three times a week and running three times a week. And we didn't talk about time or intensity or anything. Just let's work on a little bit of like frequency here and see if you can do six sessions a week for a while. And, and I think one of the pieces there too, is in that beginning phase, athletes really need to like develop a love for the sport and make it fun. And so if you're giving them too much structure, throwing a power meter on saying, hit these Watts, but maybe they just need to like go ride with their friends. Like you said, like go ride your, with your friends up some Hills for a while and like figure out how the bike works and, and really kind of get to know what you're doing and yeah, enjoy it. Like if on Sunday you want to go for a three hour hike and, and that counts as a run that day, I think that's a great substitute because again, you're just kind of like building up some, some frequency and training and, and hopefully enjoying it so that you get that enjoyment platform. And then when it's time to like learn how to go faster, it can be a little bit less fun and you can interject fun when you need to, but then, then you can kind of like say, okay, well now you need to take out a little bit of the fun to do a little bit more work, but you have this basis of like, okay, well, training is in general fun. And then you can kind of springboard off of that. Yeah. And, and in saying that, that's the other thing is, you know, if you've got someone, if you're coaching them and you do think that they have a little bit of talent as a, as a coach, be wary about telling them that too much too soon let them, like you say, find the love for the sport first. So I had an athlete once that everyone, it was really obvious that, uh, this person had quite a bit of talent for the sport. And everyone said to me, why don't, why don't you say something? Why don't you say something? And I said, because I don't want them to fall in love with the sport because they're good at it. I want them to like swim, bike and run so that then when it gets tough, that they remember that they love swim, bike and run, not that they were good at it. Because I think you can fall in love with something that you're good at and that's not going to stick with you when it gets hard, right? And when the training gets hard and when you get tired and when races get hard, what's going to stick with you to keep pushing and keep getting better is if you actually love the physical act of what you're doing. And that's, that's, that's another important piece of development that people don't think about, right? They don't think about, hey, let's just make sure that this person fully develops a passion for what it is that they're doing. And that's rooted so deeply in driven in with them, not the coach or, you know, friends or results. It's just something that they're really passionate about. And, and when it is, then that's when they're going to stick at it for a long time. And they're going to stick at it when it gets really hard, you know? So I think that's another part of athlete development that is really easily overlooked. Yeah. I think you see a lot of burnout in, more major sports in that like collegiate level when athletes are kind of cusping on what the next step is when, when they just have been being pushed their whole life. And it's like, well, I can throw a ball really fast. So I've been pitching since age six. And it's like, I, all of a sudden they don't want to do it anymore. And, and, um, and yeah, I mean, who's to say, but you, you think if they kind of developed that love for the sport first, instead of like been identified as having a good arm at age six and just shoved in this pipeline, maybe they'd still be at it. Right. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit, Jesse, when we, when I brought this topic up, you had some really, you know, passionate tips right away about, Hey, I really want to talk about the importance of progressing an athlete, even if it's, you know, 
we're not talking about just like to a specific race or even within a season, but actually the progression of what's appropriate sessions for them. Because, and, and you gave a really good example when I mentioned that you said, you know, you talked about a really specific thing that happened recently. And I can, I can remind you if you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess. Sure. Remind me. I, was, I had a question for well, you, but we'll go, we'll keep going. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, you know, you had said to me, you're like, oh, this athlete kept asking me, why am I not doing this X run going into this race? And you're like, you're not, you're not going to do that run into this race with some workout that they had heard from someone else. And they were wondering, why am I not doing this workout in this race going into this race? And he said, well, you're not, because you're not, you're not ready for that. You're going to do this training into this race. And then once we're done the race and you progress more, you'll be ready for that workout. So I'd like to hear a little bit more in depth about that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, the, the first mistake in there is like looking on Strava or reading what other people are doing and then being like, Oh, well, this is what so-and-so is doing. So I need to do that too. Right. And I, it all comes back to like that starting point that you're at and, and getting to the race. And, and I, I mean, in this scenario, we were talking about an Ironman and I think that that's like, it's also like such a big kind of goal that it makes it even harder. Cause then you can look at, um, people do all sorts of really big, crazy workouts to get ready for an Ironman. You can say, Oh, well I should do that. Um, but if it's so far out of what you've been doing and where your starting point is, then it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and again, it's like, if you look at your starting point, if, if you've been riding for a long time and you're a good cyclist and you see someone else does 150 50 mile ride to get ready and you've been doing 130 mile rides you're like okay well i can step up and do on a 150 mile ride because it's like within my wheelhouse um and if you're say that same cyclist and not like a runner and you see someone is doing an 18 mile run you're like well i've done run 12 miles should you go and jump up and do an 18 mile run the next week just because you saw someone else is doing it. It's like the same time out from a race. It's like, well, no, of course not. Right. Like you need to progress from where your starting point is to get to where you want to be and, and how that works for you. And, and I think like the key is here is like, it's going to be different based on who you are. Right. If, if you're not a swimmer and you see some swimmer doing an 8k set, you'd be like, Oh, I probably, I probably can't do an AK set. If my biggest set is like 3000 yards, it's like really daunting. So, you know, looking at where your strengths and weaknesses are and what you have in your toolbox and, and using those to progress appropriately towards where you want to get to. Um, and then, yeah, maybe it is that multi-year approach of like, okay, well, to get ready for an Ironman at some point, I want to be in a place where my run is progressed enough where I can do what I see, like maybe some marathoners doing where they do, two 20 mile runs, a 22 mile run. And then they start to back off and, um, you know, you know, whatever it is, but, but again, that's not going to be year one in the sport. I know I've been rambling for a while, but I'll take a step back to when I started getting into Ironman and I, I would do long rides and my long rides were all endurance, like straight up endurance. And, and I would get up to like hundred, maybe 110 miles. And then I started backing off and was doing like some 80 mile rides with a little bit of work. And, and then, you know, we kind of progressed that where we kind of incorporated some intensity within the duration, but it was, you know, a multi-year progression of like, well, first you need to be able to ride hundred miles and you'd be able to do that pretty well. And then eventually you can interject some intensity in there, but it's kind of this layering over time 
in order to get to like where I am now, where I can do some pretty long rides with a fair amount of work in them. But it wasn't just like, I'm getting ready for my first Ironman. So I'm going to do 130 mile ride with whatever, four by an hour of work in there. Right. It took like 10 years to be able to do that. And, and yeah, so that's that progression that I think we're kind of talking about here and that people really need to see and take a look at and know where they're starting in order to know how to get to where they're going over time. Yeah. I think the, the biggest place I think I see athletes get impatient is with speed work. Uh, the most common one I'll get is why am I not doing hard run intervals or why am I not doing track intervals? And it's usually a bit of a battle to get athletes to really understand, Hey, you're not, you're not, you're not ready yet. You know, it's not going to benefit you. It's probably going to break you. And so it's getting, you know, people, people to understand that is it's like layering a cake, right? We're not going to throw a whole bunch of like icing sugar and frosted roses all over something that has no, no cake underneath it. Right. It's just going to collapse. So that might, that might last for six months or three months, or most likely it's probably going to last about eight weeks before the athlete gets injured. So, you know, it's a real long-term development in terms of an athlete's engine, you know, their durability, their connective tissue, their ability to keep backing up training, all of that stuff. And so if you get someone and they truly trust you as a coach and you say, they see everyone else, like you said, doing, you know, maybe they're doing a track workout once a week, or they've got this local track club. Well, how come I'm not going to track? How come I'm, you never let me run fast? And it's a tough conversation to have. It's like, you'll get there. You will get there. And I promise you, you'll get there. And when you do, you'll be going really fast. And they often athletes get frustrated and either fire you or move on because they just want to go fast before that development piece is, is over. And then they go fast and then they break and then they go really slow. And then they come back to you and say, I guess I should have developed in the first place the right way because the person that did it the right way is, you know, eight levels ahead of them by the time they've gone through that whole process. So it's, it's having that long-term vision and really trusting the plan that you set out or the coach that you hire is going to develop you the right way. And, um, you know, that that's just, it's, if you want to be good at it and it's like, it's like anything, right. If you want to be good at something, it's gotta, it's gotta be done in stepping stones along the way. And, and, um, you always have to have room for something more to grow to as well. You know, if you cap yourself out in the first two years, what are you leaving left on the table to continue to grow and for an adaptation, you know, it gets, gets harder and harder and harder to keep backing that up. You know, when I first started, I trained a lot with Cameron Brown. He's probably one of the best all-time athletes in our sport. I mean, he's been at the top of his game for, I think like 30 years, he's still going right. He's mid forties. And I think he's almost 50 and he's still going really well. Yeah. I'm scared to race him. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. And the, one of the things he first said to me in my, in the first year of my career is he said, it does you absolutely no good to go hard if you can't keep backing it up. So, you know, it's just like, if you can't keep backing up training sessions week after week, year after year and, and race after race, then you're really not doing yourself any good. And then to back to, to sort of, you know, even nail that home even more like two years later, another athlete, Joanna Lawn, who, if you look her up was again, one of the all-time greats said a very similar thing to me. She said, you got every great athletes got to learn to pace themselves. And that's not just in a race but it's in their development within their year 
And, and within every workout, within every week, it's, it's really about understanding pacing yourself. And so it was a common theme that I, I noticed a long time ago is these people who are really good every year, year after year, and kept getting better for many, many years to come, they all said the same thing. And it was such a, you know, they really hammered that home over and over again. And I thought, you know, that, that must be, must be really saying something. Cause these were people who were top three in Hawaii every year for like seven years in a row, you know, and winning, winning races all over the place and setting world records. And, and so it's like, you probably want to listen to these people. Yeah. You hear the same thing from enough different people and they probably, uh, there's probably something to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going back to the, the running thing you were, you were talking about there is I always like to talk to people about like what their limiters are. And if you look at say someone's 70.3 pace off the bike and you look at their easy run pace and I mean, just for example, if like their easy run pace is faster or about the same, and then you're like, well, your leg speed or your run speed isn't your limiter here, right? You can run as fast as you need to run in the race. It's about being able to run it in the race. So yeah, maybe getting them to run faster at this point isn't what they need to do, right? Maybe that track session isn't going to to help them because if, if they can already run faster than they need to run in the race, I mean, I know you could counter that if you want to, but uh, but just kind of more in general, I feel like you know you can kind of exp- use use something like that to explain to athletes that. Like this is not a limiter, right? Right now it's that aerobic fitness that you need to build for a couple of years before that speed becomes a limiter. Yeah. Um, so I guess question for you on your mountain bike starting point, <laughs> do you have, do you have a, a goal that you are um, working towards in mountain biking? Is there something, something out there that you're thinking of, or is this just a new challenge? So that's, what's funny is like everybody, same thing that you can run into everybody around you is like, oh, you're going to be great at mountain biking. You're going to be so awesome at it. You know, you rode horses and your background, you're going to be really, you're going to love it. You're going to be great at it. And I'm like, like, hold on a second. I was like, I just want to learn. I just want to learn how to get through the rocks. That's it. I'm like, if I, and so finally the other day, I just went out by myself on really easy trails. I knew I could do them because I'd done them on my gravel bike before. And I was like, I literally just want to be able to get a, get through the rocks up and down hills without putting my foot down. That's it. So I'm not like thinking about like, Oh, I'm going to go do like the, the cross country series or the mountain bike race series, or I want to do Leadville, or I have this big, like goal out there or something like that. I'm like, let me learn how to get up and down hills through rocks. (laughs) And then when I can do that, let me get up and down some hills with rocks and ruts. And when I feel like I can do that, let me go on to a little bit harder course that maybe has like some drops or things like that. So I'm, what's funny is I I really don't have this like great big goal out there. Like, oh, I want to go out there and do this big event. So I need to, you know, get training towards that. I'm, I'm literally looking at it going, I'd like to develop good enough skills that I know what this feels like and I can confidently get through it. And then I think from there, wherever that evolves to, if I like it at the end of all that, then maybe I'll think about an event and I'll start with something really easy, like something that looks like a really easy terrain, nothing that's even as hard to navigate that I've been doing in in training and, and just learn what, what's it feel like to start a mountain bike race? You know, I wouldn't pick some big thing out there. I would, I would pick, what's the easiest, shortest mountain bike race I could possibly try first. 
and just see if I even like it. But I'm not even thinking about racing yet more. I'm just thinking about like, Hey, I just want to get up and down the Hills through the rocks without putting my foot down. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that sounds like a really smart progression <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that could maybe foster a love for mountain biking. Good job. Right. Um, See. yeah, I was just kind of curious cause Cape Epic is this weekend or is going on right now. Right. And I was like, are you watching Cape Epic? And you're like, gonna nope. start Cape Epic. <laughs> all right. All right. No, no, exactly. Exact opposite. It's like, I want to see if I, well, one, if I can learn it Two, if I like it. And then after all of that, then, then I'll be able to see if I can, you know, if I actually want to do any races or anything like that, but, but it is good, you know, and I like to, I like to learn new things and challenge myself and, and be a little scared and new and beginner it is. And it really is. I think the important part of that is also as an athlete dialing into understanding where you're at and not listening to all the outside noise of what other people might think you should be able to do at this point. Cause that's what can get you. you know, everyone else is like, well, you should be able to do this or this, this trail is easy in parentheses. You're like, maybe easy for you, but easy for me is different than easy for you. So you've got to sort of block all that out of your head and, and really come to terms with where you're at. And, and maybe you are better than what you think, but you're better off to start more on the like cautious end and build confidence and repetitions with confidence and, and do that for a while. And, and then you're going to get faster and faster and better and better. And honestly, that's how I learned to descend on a road bike. When I first, I, I went through the opposite progression with road bike descending. <clears throat> so I, you know, started riding on the trainer in Calgary. There's no descents there. You ride the trainer nine months of the year, the road riding out there is just in a straight line. <clears throat> and then I went to San Francisco with a, you know, pretty good pro road team and I was strong, but I didn't have any skills to descend. And I had to try and descend down like the redwood forest and all that scared the living crap out of me, never learned how to do it. And everyone just sort of was like, you should be able to do this. Never, you know, it, it took me essentially a long story short, it took me forever to actually learn to descend on a road bike. <clears throat> and I had to go the reverse. I had to undo the damage to be able to learn how to do it and then had to learn how to do it well, and then gain my confidence and become good at it. And now I would confidently say I'm a, I'm a pretty good descender. I'm a competent descender. I actually had what helped me the most is learning how to teach other people how to descend well. And the, the main point with that was, as I never, ever looked at someone and said, just follow me, because that was like the worst thing anyone ever said to me. I was like, just follow you. What is that going to do for me? Like, I, I think giving people exact coaching cues on what to do and what to feel for is going to teach them how to do something. Right. And that's where you're starting with someone who is a beginner and they need to develop the skills to then develop their confidence because just follow me tells them absolutely nothing to do when you're going, you know, 20 miles an hour downhill into a corner. They don't know what to do. It's the same thing on a mountain bike. You know, I'm like, I look at these rocks up and down and it's bouncing me all over the place. And I'm like, I literally don't know what to do. So I'm probably going to crash. Right. So you have to give someone the information And then they need to repeat it over and over again successfully on something that they can handle in order to develop the skills with confidence. And then they get better at it, right? And that through those little successes. Yeah. Just saying, just follow my line doesn't explain what you're doing with your body. Right. And I think that's the important thing. Like I can put my tires where your tires are, 
But if I'm not like leaning my bike and weighting my body on the pedals and handlebars appropriately, then I'm just going to like go off the edge because I'm doing one of the very many pieces of that puzzle, um, which thankfully has never happened when I've been riding behind you, but, uh, <laughs> but you've also never said, just follow me. So, you know, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think mountain bikes is the same way, right? Like, you know, you can see someone's line, but how you weight the bike over rocks and downhills and stuff is, you know, you need to know what someone is actually doing up there. Not just, not just that. Um, but yeah, that's how we learned calculus. It turns out I never knew it until I had to teach it for a year. Oh, now I know. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, when you have to teach something, then that's when you really learn it. Um, do you have any, any, like, any thoughts on, you talked a bit about run intensity, but in any other sports, do you, do you hold back on intensity as you're building duration? Like for something like getting someone ready for their first race at a certain distance, whether it's their first Olympic first 70.3, first Ironman, I guess, do you go with the duration first and intensity route? Or I, I know some coaches are like, well, let's teach you how to ride pretty hard for a short distance and then see how you can roll for 56 miles. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have a, a stance in that camp or does it kind of depend? Yeah. I mean, I'm a really big believer in, uh, developing a person's athletic engine appropriately to be able to be successful long-term. And so I don't, I don't see any sense in having someone going very hard. If you, you know, when they're, when their heart rate is pinned, even when they're going easy, do you know what I mean by that? So like if they're, let's say their max is 180. And as soon as they start riding, their heart rate is 170. We're not going to just say, we'll just, just go start doing intervals. Right. I mean, they're, they're really not going to improve at all. We have to, we have to start with, let's just develop your aerobic base first. So no matter the distance of the race, that's the other thing I'm a big believer in is if I can convince athletes, let's develop you as an athlete first athletically, as far as your engine, that it's going to be developed the right way over a long period and pick races that are in line and appropriate for the level that you're at. So, so that is important part to me is picking the right distance and length of races to where your development is. And then the other part of that is once you get to that point, yes, I would say first, you got to be able to just cover the distance. You know, if it's your first Ironman, just go finish you know, just go finish. We, you don't need to have all these big time goals or anything like that. You have a good idea of how long things are going to take based on the training you've been doing. But let's go just finish first. You know, let's, let's try and make it so that we start, we get to that finish line and we practice good nutrition all day and good management all day. That's it. doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. And if we're able to do that, then the next time we might start to put a little bit more structured goals to it. So, so yeah, I would say, Covering the distance first is probably the most important part. The skill development on a short course athlete, there's going to be just a little bit more, um, maybe nervous system type stuff development. And there's, there's a lot of variables. I mean, I'm putting a big paintbrush on it. Every athlete in every scenario is going to be a little different as far as what, what their first race is going to be looking like, but, but yeah, you definitely want they want to be able to just cover the distance first. And when then they can do that, then you start to break down the skills and the development and how is their engine developing towards the specific event that they're doing, those kinds of things. I, I think the, the biggest thing I heard you say in there was, 
was that you'd want to talk to the athlete and have it be like a plan together as far as deciding what races are appropriate and when those races are appropriate, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I feel like a lot of athletes sign up for a race and then find a coach and say, Hey, I've got this race in 16 weeks. How do I get ready for it? And I mean, yes, of course, like you can help athletes get ready for a race in 16 weeks for sure. But if you're going to be taking them from the starting point they're at and getting them as close as you can to being prepared for that race, as opposed to being like, Hey, like you'd be, you'd do a great Ironman in two years from now when we could get you from where you're at to an appropriate place to do an Ironman. And I think that's most athletes flip that on its head. And and that's where you run into the situation of like, well, you can't do some of those workouts that you see because you're not in the right place, even though your race is at the same time as theirs, because your starting point was different. Um, whereas if you can sit down and have the conversation with the coach first, then you can say, let's develop you as an athlete. And that will look like this. Yep, exactly. That's always a way, way how I prefer it. You know, I come from a background of like training horses and, you know, you got a horse. Do horses tell you what race they want to do? No, horses okay. don't tell you what race they want to do. But training horses, right? You find a young horse and you've got to develop them from scratch. And it's like, you start with the basics. Like we got to put a bridle on, we got to put a saddle on, and then we got to, you know, and so it's like, by the time they get to a point where, gosh, if you're developing a horse all the way to a Grand Prix level, which would be like a professional a professional racing level that takes, you know, that takes years and years and years, but it's, so I always prefer that with my, you know, endurance athletes, they come to me and say, I want to do this sport. Here's me as an athlete. This is where I'm at. What do you think? Like, let's, let's get good at this, or let's get me to these goals, or this is what I see for myself in this sport. What do you think is the plan to get there? And I think that's always going to be way more successful than, yeah, I can, I can get you to X event and give you a training plan. And, you know, that's still going to be great and it's going to be rewarding, but not as rewarding as the long-term. And I think that's like most of my athletes work with me for a really long time. You know, I've had athletes that have had 12, 15 years, 10 years, six years, because we're people say, well, don't, don't your athletes and you get bored. And I, I take a lot of pride in saying, no, that it should never be that way. Cause you're always developing them. You know, you're always developing them forward from where the starting, what point they're at now. And so if you hit that point where they're, if it's boredom, you're no longer like, you need to look at your program say, how come I'm not continuing to develop and improve this athlete? We should always be progressing, you know, whatever they're doing and looking at like, what's going on here? How are they doing now? How are we going to continue to get them to improve and develop right from beginner, right through to professional levels? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I would just love an athlete to call me up and say, Hey, what are you doing for the next 10 years? You want to develop me? <laughs> those, those are the good conversations you want to have. Right? That's, yeah, right. Then you're like, Oh, we've got some time to play. We can actually do this appropriately and, mm-hmm. and really take a step back and, and see what you need to do. Right. Um, I don't know. I thought that was fun. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a fun conversation. I think, you know, we sort of went all over the place and touched on a lot of things. I think, you know, there's still a lot of, we could dive in really deep on what exact progressions look like and what you could put a whole coaching program together that would teach other coaches the specifics on develop on development, you know, skills, technical skills, um, mental approach, nutritionally, body shape, athletic development, 
you know, physiology wise, all that stuff, you could develop an entire course for athletes and coaches on development. But I think this is a good, just like open conversation about, you know, as athletes and as coaches to start to really ask themselves if they're thinking this way and if they're appropriately thinking about these things when they're looking at themselves, their programming, their equipment, their race choices, all of those things. And this is the perfect time of year to do that. You know, you're, you're finishing out a year, maybe you're starting to get close to the end of year, you're looking at your off season, you're looking at develop, you know, getting into your next year, have these conversations with yourself and your coach. And, and I think, I think they're important conversations to have and, and worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Find that starting point where you're at. And then you can really use that to say, you know, where am I at with what I know, the tools I'm using and where I am athletically. And then you kind of use that to say, how can I develop in the future to be the athlete I want to be, you know, when I get there. Um, well, thank you for spending some time with me. It was fun. Elliot, we miss you. Hopefully you'll be back next time. Um, Good luck in your race this weekend, Jesse. I know that you'll already be done your race by the time this gets out. So we'll be able to look up the results, but go out there and kick some butt and uh, we'll be cheering for you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be at Ironman California. So yeah, for those listening, uh, hopefully I see you out there and you'll listen to this after, but thank you. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the hour and I'll talk to you next time. Cheers.